Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We are so blessed that you're joining us. As you're aware, child abuse, sexual abuse, elder abuse, spouse abuse, We've covered it all on this program, and I'll continue to do so in order to raise the awareness of these tragic and and horrifying trends that we see in society today. But there's no excuse for, no excuse at all for abusing those you love or anyone for that matter, period. And our guest today is going to be adding to the collection of interviews discussing these things as she shares from her personal experiences as well. Angela Carter is originally from Barbados. Growing up, her mother, Geraldine, was her best friend, and they shared about everything. But Angela decided that, you know, she wanted to pursue her new life, and she left for the United States, an unfamiliar territory, really no support system in place. It wasn't long before she found herself married to an abusive husband. Now, whether it was shame of allowing it to happen or fear of sharing anything at all, she went years without saying anything. To her mother, and Angela wished she could have just shared these conversations with her mother and about this and about a lot of other things as well. Now, Angela is a pastor and community advocate in upstate New York, where she has been serving the community there for over 30 years. She's been recognized for her contributions to the community with many accolades over these years, including the 2022 Woman of Distinction Citation from the New York State Assembly. Praise God. Her passion is to help other victims share their stories and to find their voice. Amen. She's also the author of a great book that discusses the things she wishes she could have talked with her mother about, titled Letters to My Mama, All the Things I've Never Said. Help me welcome to the program, Pastor Angela Carter. Angela, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Now, did I say that title? Did I say that title correctly? Ma mama? Mama ma. Ma ma ma. Okay. Yes. I, I know it's it's a dialect from down in Barbados, and yes. you can tell I'm not from Barbados. So. <laughs> <laughs> you did a pretty good job. <laughs> amen. amen. Uh, I have to ask this question. Well, first let's do it this way. The first question I always start with, so that's what I want to start with here, so I don't mess myself up. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Angela Carter? Angela Carter is a pastor, communicate advocate, a victim of a, a survivor of domestic violence, a mother, a grandmother, teacher, pastor, everything that you said include. Amen. So let's go back to the question I was going to ask a second ago. You left Barbados to come to the United States. Now, the first thought in my mind when I seen that was, why? 
It is such a beautiful place. God's hand is all over Barbados in that creation down there. Barbados is a beautiful place. And that is a question that many people ask me over and over. Why did you leave Barbados? Yeah. Because um, living in, in, in Barbados, you don't have as many opportunities as you have living in the United States. Mm. And the economic situation is um, very hard. Um, job situation, finances. So when you get an opportunity to come to the United States is to improve yourself and, and get a better way of life. Amen. Amen. I, I kind of thought that was a reason, but that was, you know, like a facetious joke. Is a, I was like, oh, man, it'd be like, you know, like I was in the military. You were in the military and I was in the yeah. military and I, I was like, you know, on your dream sheet, where do you want to go? You know, be safe. I always put Hawaii, you know, send me to Hawaii and it just for three years, you know, kick back. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. So let's go back. Uh, can you share with us what life was like growing up in Barbados? You came from a large family, correct? Correct. I came from a family of three brothers and two sisters. Originally, my mom had nine kids, but um, only five survived. Um, growing up in Barbados was quite different than growing up in the United States. First of all, the pace is very relaxed, very, you know, slow going, and um, it, it, it's not... Um, as hustle and bustle as it is in the United States. Everything is like slow, relaxed. And the weather situation um, is totally different because it's um, warm there all the time. We don't have, we don't, there are the three seasons, but we don't see it like we do in the United States. So it was quite different, quite a transition coming from Barbados to the United States. Amen, amen. You know, the thing I remember was the houses, I, I know it's like this in Bermuda, I'm sure it's going to be the same Barbados, where the rain, they collect it like in, in the roof for drinking water from hurricanes and things like that. Is that is that the same down there? That is pretty common in Barbados where in, in some parts of the island, there are um, tubs outside where people collect rainwater and use yeah. it for washing and feeding the cattle and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So at what age did you decide to launch out on your own and move to the United States? I came to the United States at the age of 17 um, at the invitation of my aunt. So. Okay. All right. And, and what were you doing then? When I came to um, the United States, I um, went to high school. So I actually finished high school in the United States. Okay. And at what point did you decide to join the military? Um, at the point, <laughs> and not giving away all the details okay. in my book, okay. but um, I, I joined the military as a way of escape because mm. um, after things didn't work out quite as well as I am anticipating, um, and I did not want to go back to Barbados because I came here with a plan and a purpose. I wanted to get my um, degree and eventually move back to Barbados mm. and eventually get married. But um, both situations didn't work out. 
um, after I um, got here, the relationship that I hope would have, you know, continued that did not continue. And then with the conflict with my aunt and I really um, joined the military because one day I was passing by the, um, I saw a sign, join the military. And I looked at the sign and I'm like, join the military. What is that all about? So I went in and I spoke to a recruiter and he um, gave me a test uh, that, you know, the aptitude test. And I scored a 99 on that test. And he was like, oh, you're ready for the military. And I said, no, no, no. Um, You know, I was just trying to see, you know what it's all about. So at that point, I didn't know that this was actually going to be my escape. So after I had the conflict with my aunt and that didn't work, I decided, you know, I'm going to go join the military. So I went back and spoke to the recruiter and I um, signed up for the military at that point. That's how I ended up joining the army. Amen. And out of all the jobs you could have had, you chose to be a cook. Is that right? Um, I I end up being a cook, but when um what happened when I first spoke to the recruiter, um I was not given the correct information because mm. um, I um he told me that if I came in as a cook, then I'll be able to change my MOS. Oh, so man. I yeah. <laughs> I went um signed up as a cook with the impression that after basic training, I will go into the um a cleric of the 71 Lima, which would have been my MOS, that which yeah. I thought. But then when I got there, they were like, no, you have to do three <laughs> years first. And then if you want to get MOS, you have to re-enlist for that MOS. And that yeah. was an eye-opener for me because I, that's not the information I was given. Yep. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I was a drill sergeant. In the, oh. in the military and the army. And uh, I remember I had one private come in. He said that uh, the recruiter told him that, you know, go try it out. And if you don't like it, he can just go ahead and quit. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the recruiters are telling people. Well, this is 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, when they, when they want to get the numbers up and want to get <laughs> They'll tell you a story. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> now you met your ex-husband while you were in the military, right? Correct. Okay, and, and tell us about that life. I was state after basic training. I went immediately to Camp Casey, Korea. Oh, I was. I know where that's at. I was. I was stationed just outside there. Hey, Amen. Oh, okay. So, um, and, uh, you know, uh, and the policy in the army, you know, you have the buddy system. I was very, um, you know, came up in a very sheltered environment. I was, you know, in a church. So I never went to the club, didn't know anything about that lifestyle. So my, um, um, buddy, she was opposite. She wanted to go to the club. And since we had the buddy system, I couldn't go, um, let her go to the club. I had to go with her. So I said, okay, I'm going to go with you, but um, this is not something I do. So I went to the club with her and she, um, you know, she's having a good time and I'm sitting there, you know, watching everything that's going on because this is a new experiment experience for me. And I was like, 
you know, this is not something I'm going to do on a daily basis. This is not who I am. Anyhow, um, that's where I met my husband. And he um, came over and he had just got to Korea maybe a week before I got there. So, um, you know, we started talking and, you know, exchanging um, our duty stations and our MOS. And it um, turned out that he also was a cook. So we had a lot in common. So at the end of the night, when um, we were ready to leave, he said, no, I'm not going to let you ladies um, walk back to your barracks by yourself. I'm going to walk with you. So we, um, we walk and, you know, I'm such a gentleman at that time. And he, um, it, we exchanged phone numbers. And then that's how our relationship start, started. Um, being in Korea was um, very different because I really um, was stationed um, in a different part of Casey that he was stationed at. So I only saw him at different intervals. And most of the times when I saw him, you know, he um, never um, indicated that he was alcoholic. Um, maybe the signs were there, but because I was so naive and so inexperienced, maybe I overlooked them and didn't see them. But um, every time that he came, you know, we had beautiful times. We would, um, you know, talk and um, he um, would give me, you know, different um, ways of how to do my job and, you know, how to prepare certain items because he was he was um, in the military at um, 10 years at a time. So he had a whole bunch of experience. So that was one of the, the things that we had in common, you know, is our military career, having the same MOS and being able to, you know, communicate in the, in the same language. So that was one of the things that kept us, you know, that bonded us in the, in the beginning. And um, during that year in Korea, I mean, it was beautiful. You know, you could not, I would not have ever dreamt that this individual would be the same person that I met in, in Korea. Yeah. Man. And, and once you were married and left Korea, where, where were you guys stationed at? When um, we, we came back to the um, States, um, I was stationed because we had different orders at the time before we met. So he was stationed at Fort Benning and I went to Fort Jackson. Okay. So we were apart for maybe like six months until we could get the joint done with So. I to, um I wanted him to come to Fort Jackson. He said he did not want to come to Fort Jackson, and I understood why. <laughs> he wanted me to come to Fort Benning, so I ended up um, joining him at Fort Benning. Okay, and were there any red flags or anything that you should have been paying attention to as to what the relationship would become? I believe the red flag, the very first red flag that I um missed was when he said to me, you know, I am a very jealous man and I don't like, you know, the person that I'm dating to be fooling around on me. And I was, you know, sure, um, I, I'm not that type of a woman. You know, I am a Christian woman and I don't believe in, you know, fooling around. My, my father always taught me, you know, never cheat on my husband. So that was a lesson that was implanted in me from a child. So I said, you have no problem. You know, that's not the type of person I am. But the difference, I did not realize that his jealousy meant possession. 
you know, because everyone has some element of jealousy, but there's a difference between jealousy and being possessive of a person. And that was the red flag that I missed. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And where where were you when the the physical and, and abuse and all that started? It um, actually started um, when we were uh, separated. It was, um, you know, verbal in the beginning. You know, like he would um, call when I was in Fort Jackson and say things like, um, you know, where are you? Why are you not in your apartment? You know, what are you doing? You know, things that I didn't really pay that much attention to. But the actual abuse came when the very first day I got to Fort Benning. Because during the processing, the um, processing clerk just said to me, oh, welcome to Fort Benning. And of course, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And my husband um, kicked me from under the table so hard. I don't know if I was more in shock by the kick or in shock by the behavior, but it was like, what just happened? It was so shocking to me. So um, that was the first incident. And then mm. once we started um, living together, well, when one of the things that also surprised me when, because um, he was already in, in Fort Benning, so he had arranged, you know, the living arrangement. So when I got into the apartment and he showed me around the apartment and, you know, the bedrooms and everything, and I just happened to open the refrigerator. And when I opened the refrigerator, to my greatest surprise, there was this six pack of beer. And I'm like, why is beer in the refrigerator? You know, I don't drink beer. So what? Oh, um, that is just a recreation. I just bought that for myself. So right there and then I knew something that something is wrong. This is not going to end well. But at that point, it was too late. Mm-hmm. I was already in the situation. And I was, you know, hoping and praying that it, you know, what my greatest fear would not become a reality. Mm -hmm. And how long did it take for that fear to become reality? Oh, within a couple of weeks, because once I got, um, you know, started on on my job and I started, you know, working and um, he would pick me up and then every day it was like, well, who is that person? Why is that person looking at you? You know, and um, the, the, the accusations and the jealousies and um, pretty soon it would then be the uh, physical abuse. It started mm-hmm. verbal and then it turned physical. Mm-hmm. Did you ever report any of this to your supervisors? Um. At the time, I did not report any of this to my supervisors because I was ashamed. Mm. I, um, you know, I felt like I was the only person at that time who was experiencing something like this. So I was really ashamed. So I never really shared it with any of my, my close workers or anyone. Yeah. Amen. How long were you married? I was, um, actually, I was married um, for the last 40 40 years because I never, um, I never actually divorced my husband. I just Mm. separated from him. Okay. Okay. But um, he has passed on, so. Okay. Amen. Amen. And at what point did you decide that, you know, enough's enough and, and I'm leaving? 
while I had made three different attempts to leave and, you know, with um, domestic violence, it's such a complex situation, you know, you leave and then, you know, and having three small children Mm. and, you know, not having the financial, um, being in a financial situation. So I left three times, but the last time when the last episode of abuse I had, which was a life and death situation. That's when I decided I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. I have to leave because I could see destruction. I could see that if I don't get out of this situation, I'm going to eventually lose my life. So I got enough courage and I left, um, took my kids, um, and I never went back to Mississippi. Yeah. Amen. So this all happened in Mississippi. Is that after he got out of the army or something like that? Uh, yes. After um, we, um, I wanted to make the army my career because I love being in the army. After yeah. I was there, I love it. It became part of me, and I, I didn't have any issues being a soldier at all. So um, he, of course, convinced me since we were having the kids. Um, you know, both of us don't need to be in the military. You know, if you get out, I will stay in. And I look at it now and I smile. But it, after I got out, maybe a year after I got out, he gave up my career. He decided, well, I'm not going to stay in the military. Amen. So, yeah. so we um, were... Um, out of the military, and we worked for a while as um, civilian cooks for the military. Mm-hmm. But then my my husband, you know, since he was not in the military anymore, not having those strict guidelines, you know, where there was the uh, monthly testing, you know, mm-hmm. he did not want to live up to their expectations. And that was the reason he got out. So uh-huh. we were, yes, when, you know, when you're in a situation, you don't see it. But once you get away from it, you been, we begin to, you know, refocus and reflect back on it. You can really see the, yeah. the you know, real purpose because mm-hmm. number one, he was jealous because my career um, was advancing. I was going to be a sergeant in such a short time. And that was one one reason. And the second reason was that he um, convinced me to get out was that jealousy. And when he got out was because he did not want to uh, abide with the uh, regulations of the army. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, how many children did you have? I have three, three girls. OK. And were they subject to any of the domestic violence as well? Um, the two um youngest they weren't, but my oldest daughter she experienced you know um uh not a whole lot but some of the domestic violence. Yeah, amen, amen. So how did you end up in New York? <laughs> Once in my life has so many different transitions. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Same way we moved. Uh, my kids can't believe that we moved. I was in the army 12 years and we moved 13 times in 12 years. <laughs> once I, once I left my husband, I went back, I moved back to Barbados because I felt 
going back to Barbados, I needed that that space. I needed healing, and I need to get as far away from him because I always felt if I was in the United States for some reason, he'll always be tracking me. Mm. So I went back to Barbados, and I stood there for two years. Okay. While I was in Barbados, I had a cousin who was a chaplain at Marcy Correctional Institute um, facility, I'm sorry. He was living in upstate New York in Utica, where I am now. So his wife, who was my first cousin, came and convinced me to come back to the United States. She was like, well, you need to come back to the United States. What are you doing in Barbados? You're not doing anything here. (laughs) You You need to come back to the United States. You have all the opportunities. You have everything. And then she said, do you know how many people will love the opportunity you have to be able to visit the United States? You know, so she started talking to me. And then after she convinced me, I came here. Uh, with her. And as soon as I got here, I was settled. Then they transfer her husband from Utica. So I ended up staying in Utica and then went closer to New York City. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's great interview with Angela Carter. I mean, she's been sharing with us, you know, her life in Barbados and how she left Barbados to pursue a better life in the United States, but fell into an abusive marriage relationship, and and she was able to overcome that. And now she's thriving with God. She's a pastor and a community community advocate in upstate New York. And she's been there for over 30 years, and she's been recognized with many awards. But she's also the author of a great book that she just published called Letters to My Mama, All the Things I Never Said. And folks, you need to get this book. It's an encouragement. And for those who are <clears throat> excuse me, in an abusive relationship themselves, they may find out that there's some information in here, some inspiration that will bring you through to the other side. I mean, this is something that that you need to get right now. If you know someone who may be in an abusive relationship, this book will give them inspiration to keep going on, to continue their life because there is life on the other side. Amen? Drop down the show notes, click the links right there, and be sure to come back for the conclusion of this interview in the very next episode. Till then, this past about reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? 
Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcasts. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success. Yeah.